What do you imagine that serving the cause of Jesus Christ is going to look like? What do you picture when you think about taking your life, whatever you do, whether you're a, a farmer or a teacher or a mechanic, taking your life and serving the cause of Jesus Christ? What does that look like to you, And I want you to think about that. Maybe you already have a vision of that in your head. What does it look like for you to take your life and to serve the cause of Jesus Christ? I remember when I was called to be the pastor here at Calvary Baptist Church. That would be nine years ago this coming Easter, if you can believe that. And I remember thinking about how I thought that would look. At that time, I was a bivocational pastor. I was the pastor of a small church. Uh, on Sunday morning, we had Sunday school, and we had a worship service. We had an evening service, and then we had a Wednesday night Bible study and all of the stuff that goes along with that. Uh, at that time, I was also working in the oil field. Uh, I was working about 55 hours a week. Uh, the stretch just before I became the pastor here, uh, I actually had not had a day off seven days a week for three, three years and one month uh, straight working. Uh, also had just finished my master's degree in Christian ministry and all the stuff that goes with that for an old guy learning how to write papers again and all of the tests. And I remember thinking how awesome it is going to be to have all this time. And wow, I'm going to have a lot of time. I'm going to have time to study and I'm going to have time to spend in God's word. And that's what I was thinking. I'm going to have time to pray. And can you imagine having the time to put all of your effort into just this one thing, just having one thing? And I, I had this picture in my mind. I would come in the morning and I would get a cup of coffee and I would see people and they would all be glad to see me. <laughs> and I would spend the day in the service of the Lord. I would go to lunch and, and shake a bunch of folks' hands and eat a hamburger with somebody, and I would come back and spend the afternoon studying the Bible, and I was going to have all of this time. Well, it doesn't actually look like that. What do you picture when you think about living as a disciple of Jesus Christ? And maybe we have the same kind of visions. You're going to have Bible studies and there's going to be all sorts of fun involved in that. And everybody's going to be so glad that you're following Jesus Christ. And everybody's going to be so happy that you've taken up his word. And on Facebook, everybody's going to give you a bunch of likes for the stuff that you post. And God's going to pour out blessings on you. And there's never going to be a bad day. Well, it doesn't really look like that. Today, we resume our study in the Gospel of Luke. We've been off for some time. And we resume our study of the Gospel of Luke in really a very profound place. We resume where Jesus is in his last teaching session with his 12 disciples before the cross of Calvary. Now think about that. Where we resume today, we find Jesus with his last words of preparation for his disciples. And just like us, they do not understand what they're living as a disciple is truly going to look like. Our message today is entitled, Final Words for a Faithful Few. Final Words for a Faithful Few. We're in Luke chapter 22, today verses 35 through 38. Luke chapter 22, verses 35 
through 38. Final words for a faithful few. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's word. Jesus' last words of instructions to his disciples before the cross, beginning here in verse 35, and it says this. And he said to them, when I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? They said, no, nothing. And he said to them, but now, whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. For I tell you that in this which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with transgressors. For that which refers to me has its fulfillment. They said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today and we are thankful for you. We praise you today. We worship you today. And Lord, I, I pray as, we, as we've come, as we have assembled today, I pray that, that this event, even right now, that we are turning our eyes away from the things of this world, that we're turning our cares and our hearts away from the things of this world, and our eyes are being set upon you, our eyes are being fixed upon you. And Lord, I pray that in this service, in this hour, that you would speak to your people, that you would encourage your people, that you would uplift your people. And as you were raising and teaching disciples then, that you would raise up and teach disciples now. Lord, I, I pray that you're honored in our meeting today. I pray that you are the, the focal point and, and the one that receives all of the glory of our service today. Lord, I, I pray that we would be faithful. And I pray as we leave here today that we would leave here with perhaps a different understanding, walking as faithful disciples with a correct picture of what that walk looks like. Lord, I pray for some in this service that do not know you. I pray that in this hour, in the preaching of your word, that today might be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray that you work in their hearts. And we, we come and just say, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We worship you. And all this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Again, today we find Jesus in his final hours with his disciples. Just short hours before he goes to the cross of Calvary. Now, these words again are his last words to them before they leave out to the garden of Gethsemane. Now, do not overlook that. I want you to see how huge that is this morning. Think about that. Jesus has selected these men. Jesus has invested in these men. He has traveled with them for these three years. He has, he has taught them in these three years. He's taught them in the public and he's, he's taught them privately. He has trained them in these years. And soon, as he is about to leave, this entire ministry will be given over to them. Now, get that. See that. If they fail, the gospel doesn't go out. Do you see how big that is? He, he's just not just training them for their sake. He's not just investing in them that they might know his truth. It is for the advancement of the gospel. If they fail, the gospel doesn't go out. It is that serious. 
If they fail, the good news of the gospel, the gospel by which you are saved and the gospel by which I am saved, it stalls out. It is that big and these are his last words to them before the cross. Now, I, I don't know that they even understand that. I'm pretty sure they don't. But the, the, the whole movement is about to be transferred to them and the gospel going out depends upon their faithfulness. And this is the last session Jesus spends with them before they go to the garden and Jesus to the cross. Look at verse 39. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. After this, he leaves and goes to the Mount of Olives, to the Garden of Gethsemane. This is it. They leave here for the garden. This is it. Now let's begin to look at our verses today, starting here in verse 35. And he said to them, When I sent you out without money belt and bag and sandals, you did not lack anything, did you? And they said, no, nothing. Now, here in verse 35, Jesus reminds them of the time that he sent them out in pairs to preach that the kingdom of God was at hand. That's found in Luke chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. I'm actually going to turn back and read that to you. Luke chapter 9, verses 2 through 6. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healing. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, neither a staff nor a bag, nor bread nor money, and do not even have two tunics apiece, two undergarments. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that city. And as for those who do not receive you, as you go out from that city, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Departing, they began going throughout the villages, preaching the gospel and healing Everywhere. Now, here in verse 35, he reminds them of that event. He says, when you went out in that manner, you did not lack anything, did you? And their response is, no, nothing. See this. On that trip, on their first training trip, really their first preaching endeavor, we find that they were responsible for the message they were responsible to preach the message, but God provided for their needs. Now, it's through these other people that would, would take them in, but on that first mission, their responsibility was to preach the gospel, was to preach the message. The kingdom of God is at hand, and God provided for their needs. Well, he reminds them of that in the 35th verse. Now, moving to verse 36. And he said to them, but now, whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. I want to read that to you again. And he said to them, but now, whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and to buy them. Let's look at verse 36. And he said to them, the last words in their training, the last words in the teaching of the disciples. And he said to them, but now, but now, meaning there is a turning. 
Remember that time? Remember the events of that time? But now, meaning that there, this is gonna be different than that time. In that time, do you remember those events? Yes. But now, there is a turning. But now, he says this. Whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. If you have a bag, take it along. And whoever has no sword is to go and sell his coat and buy one. He's telling them you will need a sword. And so we see here, but now, in that verse, those were your instructions. That was the outcome. But now there is a change. There is a change in instructions. Whereas the first time they had to worry about those things, but now this time they are to take a money belt. They are to take a bag, and if they don't have a sword, they are to get one, to secure one, and to take it. Now here's the question. What is this about? What, what is this talking about? Why is this different? Why are there different instructions from that trip? It was also the same a, a chapter later with the, with the 70 when they are sent out. Why is this different? What is this talking about? Now stay with me. I believe Jesus is telling them as disciples, now listen to me, and I believe through his word he is telling us today also as disciples some great truths about what it is going to look like, and I mean to actually look like to serve him as disciple. I believe these disciples have been trained and now they're up on the edge of, their go of Jesus is going to the cross and he is telling them this is what it's actually going to look like to serve as a disciple. I believe for us today through his living word he is telling us this is what it's actually going to look like to live as a disciple. And I believe from his ascension to heaven to his coming again this is what it will look like to serve the cause of Jesus Christ as a disciple. Now, I, I stop and think about that. That's a tremendous thing. From Jesus' ascension to heaven until he comes again, Jesus is telling them and he's telling us, this is what it will look like to serve me as my disciple. Not your, not your visions, not what the world says. This is what it will actually look like to serve as a true disciple. Now, to understand that, we have to understand these three things to truly get that picture. And I believe, and I'll show you why in just a moment, that these three things are not literal. But rather, I believe these three things are symbolic. I believe these three things are representative of the message that he is telling them. And I'm going to show you how I come to that conclusion. And so we need to see these three things here. Again, I believe they're representative of the picture that he is painting for them and they are not literal. These three things, the first is a money belt. It literally translates a wallet. This would have been a belt with a pouch sewn into it to store your money. And so there's a belt and in this, in this belt there's a fold sewn into it where you can actually store your money. A bag. Now, this is interesting. It's also important. It is referring to, in the original language, a traveler's bag. It is a leather sack, and the shepherds also would carry one of these when they were going to be gone for some time. 
or the, the shepherds had gone out into the fields for some duration. And in this leather sack, they would carry some, some food and they might carry some clothing and they might carry some other supplies that they would leave. And so they're gonna be gone for an extended time and in this leather bag, this leather sack, they would carry these supplies. And the last thing it says, a sword. Listen to verse 36 again. And he said to them, but now... Whoever has a money belt is to take it along. Likewise, also a bag. And whoever has no sword is to sell his coat and buy one. Now, again, I believe Jesus is telling them three things, three truths about what it is to live as his disciple. The first thing is this. Jesus is telling them, following him as a disciple is going to be costly. Following him as a disciple is going to be costly. He says if you have a money belt, you better get it. If you have a money belt, you better bring it along. It is going to be a costly journey. For these men, no matter what they had envisioned, this endeavor would not make them wealthy. In fact, this endeavor would not result in their comfort. This endeavor would not result in any means of financial gains, but the truth of it is this, this endeavor would cost them everything. And so Jesus says, as we leave this room, I'll go to the cross, but as you leave this room, if you have a money belt, you better put it on because the trip is about to cost you everything. Listen to me this morning. I'm so sick to death of this idea that you can take up this cause and you can somehow work it or you can somehow position yourself for a cost-free discipleship. And that's a big teaching today. You know what? It is a cost-free discipleship or even worse than that, that you could take up this cause and you could somehow position yourself that you could turn a profit from being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Listen to me, that is not the biblical truth. I picture one day, days later, a while longer, I picture Peter as faithful as he was, crucified upside down. And that money belt would be tied there around his waist and as he was crucified upside down, that money belt would be stained with blood. The contents wouldn't matter. I picture one day, some days down the road when Thomas who is faithful to go and to preach the gospel in foreign lands. Thomas, who goes out and no longer in doubt, but he speaks the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ when he's killed. And I picture that day with his money belt still tied there around his waist. And as he draws his last breath there, his money belt has no worldly treasure in it, but he has laid up for himself treasures in heaven. I picture the old, old man, John. And I picture he's on this prison island and he has there around his waist this worn out money belt. 
And oh, if it could tell all the places that it had gone. Oh, if it could tell all the faces that it had seen. But he has this money belt around his waist and it is sweat stained from all the toil there in the prison camp. And his belt is empty. Oh, but his wages will be eternal. And the greatest thing is that he will hear from the voice of the master, well done, beloved disciple. Listen to me, to follow Jesus Christ is costly. It will cost you everything. That's what he tells the disciples. Second thing he shows them, following Christ as a disciple, first it's gonna be costly, but the second thing he shows them this is this. It's also gonna be lengthy. It's also gonna be lengthy. Jesus says this time, take this bag of provisions for this will be no fast trip. Take some food and take some clothing. Take some supplies because we'll not be done shortly. We'll not be coming this way again very shortly. But rather he is telling them it is a journey that's gonna require perseverance. It is a journey that's gonna require steadfastness. It's a journey that they're gonna have to test their strength to endure it. It's gonna test their willpower. It's gonna be a journey that's gonna last some time and they're gonna need a resolve and they're gonna need a commitment. The Bible says once you put your hand to the plow, you're not to turn back. You're not fit for the kingdom of God. Let me tell you something this morning. What's missing in the church today is long haul disciples. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. That's what we're missing in the church today. We're missing, we're missing a bunch of long haul disciples. We got a lot of people that can get fired up. We got a lot of people that can get emotional. We can get a lot of people that will get off to a big start but we're missing long haul disciples, people that when the excitement is long gone and when the crowd starts to turn away and the new has worn off and the going gets tough and it's gonna require some perseverance and it's gonna require some sweat, they're found faithful to the cause of their master, we're missing long haul disciples now. One of my favorite pictures from going through the Psalms on Sunday nights this past year was the faithful sower of Psalm 126. Maybe you remember that picture. That sower gets that seed sack and he picks up that weight of the seed sack and he puts it on his shoulder. He heads out of the doorway of his house and he leaves his family, he leaves the comfort of his house and he goes to the field and he starts sowing his seed and the sun comes up and he's sowing that seed row after row. He's out sowing that seed. And the midday comes and the midday passes and he's out there with that seed sack and row by row, he's faithful to, to sow that seed. And the heat of the afternoon comes upon him and he's out there and he's, he's still sowing that seed and, and row after row, he, he looks back and he sees the rows and, and, he, and he keeps going sowing those seeds and it's hot and he's now sweating and he takes that sack and he adjusts it there on his shoulder. And it's later in the evening and he's been sowing all day long and he looks at the rows behind him and then he looks to the rows ahead of him and there's more rows ahead than there are behind and so he just keeps sowing and he just keeps sowing and he just keeps sowing because of the promise of Psalm 126 that those that sow in tears, one day the Bible says they will bring in their sheaves and they shall come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Jesus says here, it's gonna be a lengthy journey. So carry your sack with you. 
So the first thing we see here is it's going to be costly to follow Jesus. Second thing he tells his disciples, it's going to be lengthy. It's not a short trip. It's going to be lengthy. And the last thing he tells them, it's going to be dangerous to follow Christ Jesus. It's going to be dangerous to follow Christ Jesus. Whoever has no sword, sell his coat and buy one. Now, the word, the, 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 the sword here, there is some debate as to it being a literal sword or a symbolic sword. And there are some, and they, these are great preachers, and they would say, you know what, this is a literal sword. And they would say, you're going to need this sword to defend yourself against robbers out on the road and the dangers of the road. And even some of them say, you're going to need that sword to defend yourself against those who hate this cause. But I want to tell you, I believe this is symbolic. And, and, and because it is symbolic, I believe all three are symbolic. And this is why I believe it is symbolic and not literal. Think about this. In just a little bit, not far from here, Peter actually produces a sword and he swings it to cut the man's head off. Remember the account? And he misses and, it, and, he, and he cuts the guy's ear off. And Jesus says to him, put up your sword. In effect, that's not this cause. In fact, those that live by the sword will also perish by the sword. And so I don't, I don't think he's saying, what, get a sword and get two swords, and when they come, we'll swing our swords. When you go into dangerous territory, produce a sword. I don't think it's talking about that. I think it is symbolic here. Jesus is saying, living as his disciple will put your very being in peril. He's trying to tell these guys, listen, it's going to be a dangerous thing to follow me as my disciple. Living as a disciple of Jesus Christ is dangerous. Let me just tell you something. Be very sure of this. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth of God's word, is divisive to many. Oh, I thought everybody loved it. Oh, I thought everybody was gonna get on a bandwagon and celebrate. Listen, the word of God is divisive to many people. Listen, it is abrasive to most people today. For sure today, it's not popular. Well, hey, here in my little group, we love it. Listen, it's not popular today. It's not politically correct today. The word of God is hated in this day. And the truth is, those who take it up will also be hated. If you think it's going to be acclaimed and so you are, if you think it's going to be cheered and so you are, brother, sister, listen to me, you're mistaken. It is dangerous to uphold the truth of God's word, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a hard thing to swallow. It's peace, it's love, it's joy, it's reconciliation with God. Listen, the world hates this truth and they hate the bearers of this truth. It's dangerous to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, can you imagine the men that he's talking to? Maybe they think, well, there's a great kingdom coming and I'm gonna get a place in it. Maybe they say, well, there's some stuff I don't understand. I don't know how it's gonna shake out, but I know it's gonna end with him as the king and I'll be right there with him. And he says, listen, guys, it is gonna be dangerous to follow me as my disciple. And so that's the reality that's the truth. Listen, it's going to be costly to follow Jesus Christ. 
We ought to start telling people that. It's going to be a lengthy journey to follow Jesus Christ. You know what? A big flash, a big start's not going to matter that much. It's a, it's a journey, a lengthy journey. You know what? It is dangerous to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 37. Jesus continues on and he says this. For I tell you that this which is written must be fulfilled in me. And he was numbered with transgressors. For that which refers to me has its fulfillment. In Isaiah chapter 53, speaking of the Savior, speaking of the Messiah, the prophet Isaiah says he will be counted, he will be numbered with transgressors, with sinners. Well, now Jesus here in verse 37 says, that is fulfilled in me. Now, I want you to think about this. That is a very stark thing to say, this cl close to the cross of Calvary. Jesus, listen, he's saying here his last training session with these disciples, he's saying here as he turns to go out into the Mount of Olives, as he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is saying this, it finishes here. It finishes in me. Jesus says, I am the one, and I am the fulfillment. The fulfillment is now. Folks, we need to understand this today. Folks, understand, in mere hours and not days, the final lamb will have walked the path to the final altar. In hours and not days, the perfect lamb will shed his own blood for the remission of sin. In hours and not days, with the cost of redemption fully paid, with the price of salvation fully given, Jesus nailed to the cross will shout into the annals of all eternity, it is finished, it is finished, it is fulfilled in Jesus. And Jesus says here just minutes before rising up to go to the garden, he says, for that which refers to me has its fulfillment. It is finished. Listen to me today. Hear this today. Be sure of this. It is finished at the cross of Calvary. Do you understand that? We're saved completely. Hebrews says we're saved to the utmost. It is finished at the cross of Calvary. There's nothing left to do. There's nothing left to add. Joseph Smith is wrong. Those folks are wrong. It is finished at the cross of Calvary. Listen to me. It is finished in the person of Jesus Christ. There's nobody else. There's no one else to appeal to. There's no one else to look for. It is finished in the person of Jesus Christ. And he says, what you know of me, it is finished now and he steps out to the cross of Calvary. It is finished in Jesus Christ. It's finished in Jesus Christ. Verse 38. They said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. This close, this close, and they still miss it. They take him literally. And they say, look, Lord, Lord, look. Here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Listen to this. It literally translates enough of this talk. They missed it. 
that close. They didn't understand what he was saying. They thought it was literal. Lord, look, here's a sword, here's two. And he says, enough of this talk. And he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives. And the disciples also followed him. Just like that, their time with Jesus is over. You ever pass through something and it ends and you never knew it was ending? You pass through something you say, you know what, I never knew that was going to be the last meal with them. I never knew that was going to be the last Christmas with them. I never knew that it was going to be the last day that we would ever do those things together just like that. Their time with Jesus is over. And they stand up and Jesus walks to the Mount of Olives and they follow. Today, whatever we've envisioned that following Jesus Christ would look like, today, however it actually has turned out to look like, our prayer ought to be, may we be as faithful, may we be as fruitful as these. You see, because it's not much different. The gospel will not go out apart from it. The gospel stalls out apart from it. Oh, I'm so thankful that these 12 went. I'm so thankful that, that Paul joined them. I'm so thankful the good news goes out. I'm so thankful they carried it to a Gentile world. I'm so thankful they took it down the roads to the whole world. But I want to tell you, it's just as imperative today. Our world is dying for the lack of truth. You can go to entire places and you couldn't find the gospel. If you look for it, it will stall out apart from faithful disciples who will understand it's going to cost, who will understand it's going to be lengthy, who understand, yes, it's dangerous, but will endure it for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's just as imperative today. May we be as faithful. May we be as fruitful. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I'm thankful for this account. And I'm thankful that it's not just a bridge between one happening and another happening, and now the, the bigger part's coming. I'm thankful that you record it for us, your word. And I, I'm thankful that you tell us right up front that to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, it's gonna be costly. And to put our hand to a plow and to, to take up our cross, our instrument of death, is gonna cost everything. I'm thankful that you, you tell us it's not gonna be something that we can just dip into and come back quickly out of, but it's gonna require perseverance. It's gonna require steadfastness. And there's gonna be hard days on the road. And we're going to need to be prepared. I'm thankful that you tell us it's also going to be dangerous. There will not be a claim with it. There will not be popularity with it, but there's going to be danger. I'm thankful that you tell us up front. But then I pray on this day, this Lord's day, Lord, may we be as faithful. May we be as strong, not in our own power, but in the power of the living God. Not in our own strength, but in the strength of God. Not with our own message, our own words, but the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be as faithful. May we understand how imperative it is that we can't sit down. Lord, help us to be those type of disciples. Lord, we come and I'm thankful for the good news, the gospel by which I am saved, by which I know of my Savior. And I pray that we'll be faithful to it. Lord, we love you today. We praise you. We thank you. We truly do worship you, and I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.